want to lead you to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And if you can put that on, um, great. So Ma Matthew 9, 35 and 36. And I want to introduce another concept, another value, another governing value that I want to instill in our church this morning, something that we value. You know, we've been talking over the past few Sundays about um, things that as a church we want to pursue, that we want to align with, that we want to be a part of what we are as a congregation and as an institution. Institutions need governing values. They need a mission. They need a vision. Uh, they need clarity as to what, what makes them up. What motivates them? Why they do the things that they do? And so I've been speaking about, uh, we've, had, we've touched on about seven different values. Being a church that is a transformative church of people who are continually being renewed and transformed the spirit. A church full of the Holy Spirit that dedicates time to the ministry and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with people who are themselves passionate for the Holy Spirit and seeking the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a church that is compassionate, patient, that has mutuality where we know that God is calling us to holiness and to growth and development, but also a church that, that um, knows that it's a process, that we need to support each other. When we fall, we pick each other up. It, it is, there's a war out there. It's not easy to be holy. It's not easy to live out the values of the Holy Spirit. It's a struggle, and we need to support each other. We're a family, and uh, we need to uh, have an understanding of that process, what involves that uh, process. And we're a church of the Word as well, a church that takes seriously our values as a church that is uh, governed by the Word, a church that takes seriously the fact that God has called us to be a sign unto the city, that we are supposed to provoke questions in the unbelievers about why does this church... Uh, why is it able to accomplish the things that it does? Why are the people able to come together and live in harmony despite their diversity? Why are they able to love um, those that are in need and to do wonderful works? What, what makes the life of this community possible? So the church is a sign. It, just by virtue of its being alive, it provokes people to think about the values of uh, the kingdom. And so uh, there are other, a couple of other values that I'm not mentioning here, but I want to just emphasize them. But there's another value that I want to point out to, which is this call to be an evangelistic community, a church that takes seriously the call to evangelize. I hope that as a congregation, if you look at our life, you will see a passion for evangelism, a passion for souls. Much of what we do at Lion of Judah is oriented to finding different ways to announce the gospel. So even what we do, for example, in the social ministries, uh, we are dedicated. For example, by the way, we're celebrating the fact that um, we just uh, expanded significantly our closed uh, ministry, closed closet ministry. Uh, uh, the Emmanuel Gospel Center recently relocated, and they couldn't continue their uh, clothes uh, distribution ministry. So in partnership with the Emmanuel Gospel Center, we have transferred now, and we spent money and time of our people expanding physically the space 
foreclosed. We tripled probably the space that we had. It used to be more of an incidental thing that we did when people came on Saturday for our breakfast, which is also an evangelistic thing. Because during those times, at the closed closet, by the way, which will now be taking place on Thursday afternoons, there's a whole structure around it to make it an orderly process, but also a process that is evangelistic in nature. Um, it, it, is, it is all oriented to evangelism. It'll be a lot, a lot larger. We're partnering with a couple of other churches that used to help Emmanuel Gospel Center. Now they've transferred their energies here. So we have invested money. We have invested time. We have invested vision. When those people come, for example, to collect clothes on Thursday, we have a whole group of individuals who are there. As soon as they come in to engage them in conversation, as they wait for their turn to go and pick up whatever they need, we have coffee ready, we have um, dessert ready for them, pastries and so on, and we are seeking ways to engage them in evangelistic, spiritual conversations, to pray with them, to pray for their needs. So it's, the clothes part is just an excuse, really, although it's a significant thing. And, and you know, let's not underestimate it. I hear Jerome say, man, Jerome... Uh, you know, not to call attention. We have already to him. Jerome uh, used to be homeless, and I, I hope we, I, don't, I don't think he minds saying that. That's part of his testimony. But now this man is living in an apartment that's probably much better than the one that we have. And, uh, you know, God has blessed him. Not only that, he was featured recently, the governor, was the governor or the mayor? The governor and the mayor came to where he lives, and he is in a, in a, in a magazine that the, this place distributes. He's right there featured. His picture is there. This man is becoming a celebrity. Not only that, he, he's looking younger and younger every day and more handsome and more elegant every day. I, I want to meet his tailor and, and his uh, consultants for fashion. This guy is looking sharp. <laughs> but we rejoice. We rejoice when so many of our uh, people who used to be in all kinds of needs, God is blessing them and prospering them because we have been engaged in, in these kinds of outreaches. So we're not there just to maintain lives. You know, a lot of what the government does is simply, and many churches also, unfortunately, we have a, a, a social conscience. Um, it's just maintenance. But we are seeking to transform lives, to evangelize them. So this closed closet, for example, I'm saying, I'm illustrating that. The Saturday breakfast that we have, we try to include strong spiritual content, uh, preaching in a, in, a, in, a, in a prudent sort of way. We, these people cannot be overwhelmed with 30 minutes of preaching. Or, or, but we worship. We pray with them. We have people roving that space in the mornings uh, when uh, individuals come. And we use that time to touch them with uh, a, a touch of the Holy Spirit. And so for us, everything that we do, the Higher Education Resource Center, our uh, immigration ministry, um, Awana, which is the children's ministry on Fridays, I can't tell you how many families have come in touch with the, with the gospel through our Awana ministry on Friday evenings. Uh, everything that we do, one way or another, our services, everything, we are a church that believes uh, um, in evangelizing. We want to be salt and light in the community. And so I hope that when you observe the things that we do here at Lion of Judah, many of the initiatives and the way that we invest our energy, 
I hope that you realize that um, we are doing it with an evangelistic outlook. And, uh, you know, the, the street uh, distribution of, of um, uh, tracts and uh, the call, the call kind of evangelism that we do in the city that our brother Doug is so good at. Um, and uh, all of these different things, you know, we are, and, and we are continually, I, I think we're just revving up the engines, really, Amen. I believe. Uh, revving up the engines to be more and more an evangelistic engine. And when we declare the things that we do during our worship time, um, I hope that you know that we believe that God is preparing the best for last. We do believe that there will be a huge harvest of souls in the future. And we are clamoring to the Lord, activate us more in the power of your Holy Spirit. Do your signs and wonders, because these are the, these are the calling cards of the gospel. Signs, wonders, healings, supernatural manifestations. They're not an end in themselves. So they help in the declarations of uh, evangelistic work. So, you know, we, we want to be a church that evangelizes. We want to be a church that takes the call to evangelize serious. And maybe I'll get around to Matthew 9, 35 to 36, which is supposed to be the platform for what we're saying here. But that's fine. This is, this is part of, we're into the sermon right now. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. Say with me, proclaiming, proclaiming. The, good news. the good news. And we know what the good news is, that Jesus Christ has been sent by the Father to die for our sins and to make it possible for us to have reconciliation with him through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through adding our name and our energy to a relationship with Jesus Christ and becoming a member of his kingdom. God has done it through Christ. And so Jesus is walking in Galilee. He's walking in Palestine announcing the coming of the kingdom of God, the, the eruption of what God has been promising for hundreds of years to the Israelites that, that one day the Messiah will come and do the work that God has destined for him. So Jesus is uh, declaring something that's important, and he is doing it by investing huge amounts of his energy and his work to do that. So he goes through all the towns and villages. And why are these uh, words registered in, in, in the Bible? For us to say, oh, wonderful, that's great. Check, I know about that. That's a historical fact, and uh, it's good to know it. No, it, they're there to inspire us. They're there to put a sense of holy uh, urge in our hearts to do the same. These words are there so that we might learn how it was done, that they might be an invitation for us to engage in the same kind of work. So he goes teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. That is one component that intrigues me and keeps me awake at night. Father, how can we connect the preaching of the gospel to healing every disease and sickness, not just, um, not just uh, you know, the physical aspect, but also the emotional aspects, the spiritual aspect. People need healing in all kinds of ways, and the church needs a supernatural anointing. Now, we need to move in that. We need to pray and believe that as we do it, God will continue to release that anointing. I also think that there will be a moment when God will give a specific word of release in a much more powerful way, anointing that will come supernaturally, explosively. Uh, and this is the time, I believe, that God is preparing to do that. But we need to be 
hungry, expectant, searching on how to be instruments for that healing uh, in those supernatural manifestations. I think evangelism and um, supernatural manifestations, they go together, not just in the first century, but in the 21st century, God wants to do the same thing as well. And if it's not happening, I believe part of it is because God has a specific timing for those greater manifestations, but also for those partial manifestations because his church needs to take that seriously. We need to ask the Lord. We need to pray. We need to engage by faith in those uh, interventions, those words of healing, declaring God's work and having it released more greatly. I could go on, but I, I, I have so much here, and I know that I won't be able to finish it all. But uh, put it back one more, please. So when he saw the crowds, yes, the next verse, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, I, I, in a way, as I see this passage, I just wanted it to be an introduction. I'm saying, man, I should have just taken uh, that passage and used it as the, my, my foundation because I have other things. But maybe I'll come back to it at some point. The workers are few. It's so full of uh, nourishment and teaching. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So if you go home and you can just, uh, you know, use that passage for your meditation this week, I know the Lord will open it up and break it up in front of you and inside of you, and you will get a holy desperation to do what Jesus and his disciples did as well. So you see here the importance. You know, this, uh, every institution, as I've said before, needs to have a vision, needs to have a sense of mission, a purpose, a goal, a reason for being uh, some leadership manuals define vision as a unifying principle. That is a principle that brings together all the different energies and investments of that institution. A unifying principle that guides and determines the various actions of an individual or an institution. That's what a vision does. A vision gives you a sense of clarity. Everything that you do, in one way or another, you're orienting it to this purpose. And so, you know, the church has, has a vision, has a vision. And the church obtains its mission and vision from God himself. You know, it's not something that we have invented. Okay, we need to be evangelistic. We need to evangelize. And really, I would say this, that the reason for being, we have set a lot of values but I think the essential value, the central value, the central motive for the church existing is to evangelize. And we see that clearly in many passages. But God himself is the origin of our vision. I, I was thinking of Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43 verse 10, where the Lord says to the Israelites, this is back, way back in the Old Testament, you are my witnesses. By the way, the Jehovah's Witnesses have, have taken that verse and say that, and say that it refers to them. We know that uh, it's, this, this is so much more encompassing. I won't get into that piece as well. But, you know, the Lord said to the Israelites, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know he's speaking to Israel. I didn't have that, and I know that you didn't, you didn't have it on. I, I added that later on. I, I sent the, the other verses to 
our friend, the projectionist up there. So God says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. As we evangelize, we tell people about who he is, what he does, and we also understand in much greater measure what he is. But the Lord said to Israel, you are, this is why Israel was put together as a nation, because God wanted them to be his witnesses. Now, Israel's mission was to be a light to the nations. And this connects us with what the church is supposed to be doing as well, because we are that continuation of what God called the Israelites to be. God wanted Israel to be a, a, a separate people for God. He wanted them to be witnesses to Jehovah, to the Lord. That's what he called the nation of Israel. It wasn't for them to kind of just have a big party and to rejoice that they, as they did later on and to exclude all the others. No, he wanted them to be a source of witness of his character, his holiness, his power, uh, his principles, so that other nations would imitate them and become also followers of the one true God. And this is why he has called the church as well, to be that, to be that witnessing church, to inform the nations and also to inform actually the principalities and powers even of who God is and who Jesus Christ is with our life, with our values, with our preaching, and so on and so forth. And so Israel failed, right? Israel failed the mission declaration, the call. Israel failed in its call and kept the blessing for itself. You know, they thought, oh, we're, we're the chosen ones, and everybody else, they're pagans, they're the Gentiles, a, a kind of derogatory term. They didn't share their, uh, the, 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 the teaching, the revelation that God had given them about himself with the other nations. Actually, they, they became perverted and they adopted the values of the nations rather than bringing the nations to adopt the values of the kingdom. They became idolaters. So Israel, who had a call to be a light unto the nations, now fails that call and keeps the gospel to itself. How many churches keep the gospel to themselves? How many of us Keep the gospel to ourselves. I was having a conversation with a, a very well, highly developed lady here in the community. Occupies a very central um, uh, function here in, in, uh, in the city. And we were commenting about the fact that wherever we go, I know wherever I go, in different places, I discover professionals and uh, people who are in, high, in positions in government, in education, in the health field, who are Christians in the universities, but they're afraid to share the gospel because it's not good for their profession, because it, it can put them in a, in a bad light before their colleagues as well. Can you imagine if uh, all these individuals who are in key positions in the city became bold for the gospel? And in appropriate ways, because there are appropriate ways. You know, there are appropriate ways to share. You don't have to be in everybody's face all the time becoming just a, an annoyance to people. I mean, if you're working, you've got to work. But there are many opportunities and many social opportunities and opportunities in the street as well. We engage in all kinds of conversations, and sometimes we miss the opportunity to share the gospel. We keep it to ourselves, either out of shyness, timidity, or because we have been intimidated by the rhetoric of the world. And we do not share the gospel. We have to know that, hey, this is our mission. This is our calling. This is our responsibility. This is why we exist. And we need to be anxious. I think many of us are not used more by God to share the gospel 
because uh, we're not anxious to share the gospel. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, made us restless to share the gospel with somebody, but we have hold it, held back. And in doing so, we quench the Spirit. And God says, okay, I gave you an opportunity. You did not use it, so I'm just going to wait until you get it. As you use whatever it is, just a word, an invitation to come to church, to come to a special activity, sharing a book, uh, brief, a few words full of grace and, uh, and um, uh, empathy with an individual, just a prayer, blessing them and their family. How many people love to be prayed for? That's all. We put a seed in their heart. And sometimes that prayer will break principalities and powers, break yokes in their hearts and enable them to be open. And then somebody else will come along and the magic will take place. The, the power of God will touch them. But you, you, you are an instrument. Do whatever comes to your hand. If it's just a tract, a tract. If it's a book, a book, a conversation, whatever, use it because God will, will um, put you to do more as you use the gospel more. And by the way, you are never premature. Or, uh, in other words, I don't want you to feel that somehow you, I don't have it yet. I got to sanctify myself fully. I got to, you know, I got to consecrate myself. I got to go to the next level before I evangelize. Listen, the more raw you are, the more God can use you, I believe. You know, because many of us believers, we've been around the church for decades, and now we're like we're neutered for the gospel. We only socialize with other believers, and that's all we know, and so on. But you, you can be a, a great contaminant, to put it in the positive way, because you know people who are unbelievers. And all, you, all God wants you to do is to share what God is doing in your life, how he's working in your life, what he has done, how he has blessed you. Don't worry about, you know, becoming a paragon of virtue before you share the gospel. God can use anyone. He used uh, um, uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was not converted. And, but when Jesus said, I'm going to go to your house and uh, eat with you tonight, Zacchaeus invited his friends and Jesus announced the gospel to that whole company of sinners. And a miracle took place there. Zacchaeus was not a, a uh, you know, he hadn't gone to seminary. God can use you. And I think the more uh, raw you are and new in the gospel, the more God wants to use you. As you are used, then you can become sanctified and all the other things will come along actually more quickly. Because you are investing your energy. So, you know, uh, we, we, that, that's just as Israel's call to share the gospel, we are called. You know, God took the mission from Israel and gave it to the church. That's an important point. God took the mission from Israel and transferred it to the Gentiles. If you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't use the gospel, if you don't share the word of God, God's going to find somebody else. And you will have missed out on something very powerful. Because the gospel has to walk, has to run, has to advance. You know, and if you don't use the gifts, they will stagnate. If you don't use what God has called you to do and what he has given you, it will just become stagnant. And, and Jesus said once, you know, uh, when, uh, when um, uh, the, the, the people were uh, celebrating him on uh, Palm Sunday... You know, uh, and these were unbelievers in a way. They were just doing it because it was an emotional moment there. And Jesus said, if these do not speak, the stones will. That's the point, you know, that if, if, um, if, we, don't, uh, if we don't announce the gospel, God is going to have to find some other way. But I think he has declared that the, the church of Jesus Christ will. We, we will not fail in Jesus' name. 
we will announce the gospel. But God has an urgency to um, have the gospel announced by his people. Let's take a moment quickly. And I know that, I, as I can see here, I'll, I'll, I'll have to... Uh, leave another part for, for later on. But, the, you know, here's, here's one point that I want you to get here. The ministry of Jesus himself, as we have seen earlier, the ministry of the Messiah, the called one, the sent one of God, the ministry of the Messiah is closely linked to bringing salvation and light to those in darkness. The whole reason for being of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming to the world was to announce the kingdom of God. And then to extend that responsibility to his followers and to, his, um, to the believers. So Jesus himself, as we see him from the very beginning, the announcement of his person and of his ministry is linked to this evangelistic call. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 2. Do we have it there, uh, Smyrna? Or... Um, uh, we have it. Okay, there we go. It says, the people walking, this is an announcement back in Isaiah, hundreds of years before the coming of the Messiah. And look at the nature of um, that uh, mission that of the Messiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And if you see the uh, prophecies accompanying the coming of the Messiah, you will notice that there is this uh, call to announce the good news. That, that's why Jesus came. When Jesus uh, comes to the synagogue and he gives his first public sermon, he invokes a, a chapter from Isaiah, a passage from Isaiah, where he is clothed with the Spirit of God to give uh, freedom to those that are captive, to give sight to the blind, to announce the, the day of salvation for humanity, to knock down walls of separation between Gentiles and uh, Jews. So the ministry of Jesus is linked directly to um, his ministry. Luke 19, verse uh, 10. Luke 19 Verse 10 speaks about today, he says to uh, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Speaking of Zacchaeus, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The whole ministry of Jesus, of the Messiah was around that. Let's take a look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Christ, uh, before his uh, final departure, he uh, trained his followers, or rather before his ascent, he trained his followers, the disciples, and left them specific tasks of preaching the gospel, which is called the Great Commission. What did he say to them? This is his, this is his um, moment of uh, final words to his disciples. What do you tell people in your, in your final moment? The things that you consider important. The things that are urgent, that's what you share with your children. If you're dying, you know that whatever you share is because you have a great sense of urgency. Jesus told them, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this is the, this is the calling of the church to go 
You know, we're going to have a service, and, and I'm finishing, I will finish here, uh, on Friday night, which I want to invite you for, so I'm going to merge a little bit of the announcements. This coming Friday, we will have, I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward, please. Um, this, this Friday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a gathering, and again, link it to several of the values that I'm talking about. Why are we serving as a hosting church for a night, which we're calling We Will Go this whole weekend? We are um, calling it We Will Go, and I'm, we're partnering with other churches in New England. Um, and the Lord gave me that title for this weekend uh, of different things that we're going to be doing. We Will Go. It was linked to Jesus' uh, invitation or, or really commission to the church. Go to all the nations. We might say here in Boston, go to all the communities. Go to Framingham and Roxbury Go to the South End, go all the places and announce, share the gospel, make disciples of people. So this weekend, we are dedicating it um, to that. And I want to invite you to come. Friday night is a time of empowering. We're going to have a, a, a sermon from a man who was linked with Bethel, with Bethel Church, uh, the well-known nationally ranked uh, Congregation, and he was a pastor there, and he's now in an evangelistic ministry. And uh, the sermon will encourage us to do evangelism, and we will have a time of seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because the two go together. Before Jesus uh, shared that commission, he said, "All power is given unto me; therefore, go." In other words, the power, the, the gospel is supposed to be preached and shared in power, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So um, that service on Friday night, beginning at 7 p.m., will be a service to seek further empowerment, to celebrate the unity of God's body, to minister unto the Lord, to continue prophetically declaring the blessing of God upon New England, upon our nation. I want to invite you to, to come. But this idea of going is so important. We can't just wait until people come to us. We have to go to the places where we work, the schools that we attend, the offices that we uh, work in, um, our neighborhood, and share with whoever we can the gospel of Jesus Christ to go. So come and, and hear that sermon. I think it'll edify you, but also come to be empowered, to receive a, an anointing from the Holy Spirit. When we come into those uh, spirit-filled places, God does extraordinary things. So I want to see you here on Friday. Make it a, a, a commitment to come on Friday. And then on Saturday morning, this is really important, on Saturday morning, we will have Andrew Chalmers, who came, who came a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, and preached uh, to us. And Andrew has a, a, a testimony of what, what God did, how God delivered him from drugs. And he will be sharing uh, with us uh, a, a teaching for the whole morning. This is, a, this is a Saturday morning on evangelism as well. And I wanted to use this teaching today to set up the atmosphere and to wet your palate for what we are going to receive. We're going to be trained. It's a training time, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. It's training for evangelism. You know, because th those kinds of moments of training, they're not just uh, information, uh, you know, dissemination, let's say. 
They are moments also of anointing. When you hear from people who are anointed of God, who have had an experience with the Holy Spirit, you will also, you will have an impartation. You will receive an impartation. What the church gives importance to is what is released in the heavenlies. When we teach, when we preach, we believe that we are doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit and that as we pronounce these words, our people are receiving an energy of the Holy Spirit. So as you come on Saturday, as you dedicate that time to, um, to evangelism, I hope that you will come to be magnetized. Don't just come to hear information. If you think that it's going to be just information, well, you can get that from a book. Come into a holy place to receive a teaching that will activate an anointing in your life. And I declare that'll be the case. That'll be on Saturday morning, beginning at 9 a.m. Have your Wheaties at 7.30. Pray a little while and then come early. Come a half an hour earlier and, and receive uh, this uh, amaz amazing anointing teaching, okay? Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, uh, we declare a new time for your church. We do declare that the atmosphere is changing. Say that with me. The atmosphere is changing. That you are doing something extraordinary in New England. And we open up spaces, doors, and windows for your glory to come into our sanctuaries, into our souls, into your people, for mighty deeds to be done in our midst. And we declare, Lord, that you fill us with holy hunger to bring souls to Christ. And that you open up a new time for your people to receive something new. And even now, even this morning, Father, in the power of these words that I have shared, because they're living words, I pray that you will activate in your people a gifting for bringing souls to Christ. That you will, you will make us hungry and desperate that our lives will be used to bring others to Jesus Christ. Begin with me. Begin with my brothers and sisters, Father. Oh, Lord, take away mediocrity. Take away uh, complacency. Take away uh, just uh, mediocre satisfaction with where we are. And, and make us absolutely hungry to be instruments in your hands. Holy Spirit of God, if you don't do it, we, we are lost. If you don't bless us and activate us, we might as well go home. We want to be used of you, Father. Oh, Jesus Christ, do something extraordinary. You have placed us in the midst of so much need. And we are not happy right now, Lord. We are not satisfied. We are desperate to see you use us. And for Goliath to be brought down. In Jesus' name, Father, we declare a new time. And, and uh, we will see your marvelous deeds done in our midst. So make us an evangelistic congregation for your glory. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, before we, uh, before we uh, worship, I, I, I want to be true to my um, promise to give you... Uh, you know, again, announcements are not just... Uh, remember, if we say... I, I think we should find a better word than announcements because it just kind of means, you know, something dry and sterile and me merely functional. I, we should call them celebrations of life. How's that? 
for because you know when we announce what God is doing you know these these things enable us to to remember God is doing all kinds of things in our congregation things are moving so um, remember women the, 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 this um, uh, women edifying uh, destinies it's all in your uh, pull out your sheet here and let's learn how to read sometimes these things are there for you to take and put it in your refrigerator but uh, there's going to be an annual conference on Saturday uh, November 2nd 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Read about that. There will be translation into English, but the service itself will be in Spanish, but there will be translation into English. And it's an explosion of time for uh, the women. And we're looking forward to that. Don't forget the Genesis Awards, Christians and Jews United for Israel as well. That's going to take place Sunday, October 27. And um, uh, it's a way of showing love for Israel. There's all kinds of information there. Um, hallelujah night. I have my brother and colleague here, uh, Pastor Jonathan. Uh, gr grab a mic. And, um, all right. All so, that. hallelujah night. It's on October 31st. It's a Thursday. And many of you know, but we have some new people in our audience. Um, it's a celebration of life here at our congregation. While the world celebrates darkness and whatever else may be going on mm -hmm. that evening. Um, we come together in the original sanctuary, and literally we take over the entire building, and we transform it into a place of games. There's a lot of games and for all the kids. we're very aware of that, that you take yes, over the entire Yes, we do building. take over. Um, there's decorations, <laughs> there's free food, we have hot dogs and cotton candy, um, and we also like to give the kids uh, candy that night, so I'm here to ask you, most of you should have received an email from me, um, we're collecting candy donations, so if you can bring a bag of candy next week next Sunday is the last Sunday for us to collect candy donations because we need time to prepare all the goodie bags that we're going to be giving away um, please bring us a candy uh, a bag of candy from CVS or Stop and Shop from wherever you live and drop them off in my office on the third floor, we have a team of people that will be assembling you, all these uh, things. Original sanctuary. In the original third sanctuary, floor. third floor, where the kids' area is. Um, and we will appreciate all donations of candy. Or bring it to the office, or the church office. Or to the church office day, during the week. Yeah, yeah, nine to five. We They're always take here. Away obstacles so we're, we're taking that. candy. And if you would like to join us on that Thursday, just come and celebrate with us, you know, what God is doing in our lives. So the event is free. It's for everybody from the community. We do not encourage costumes. Um, so, but if you have a neighbor that wants to be bring a costume, they can they can come. But most of our kids will not be wearing a costume. Um, and um, we're just here to celebrate. The evening starts with games all over the place, and we wrap up with a time of worship. Um, and we'll promise to go home around 8:30 because it's a school day the next day. So um, please keep that in your hearts. And um, it is free, or not free candy, you know. Not, not free candy for NUT, allergies. NUT. Yes. Not, not free. Not free. And, um, but yeah, so please join us. This is a, an activity that's open to the entire congregation, regardless of age or ministry affiliation. So we'd love to have you here singing with us, celebrating, and it is a beautiful And what a beautiful thing. You know, that's part of the life that God is uh, doing, making possible. Operation Christmas Child, we remind you of that. And again, please, we're going to emphasize, read the, uh, the sheet that you're given. And so I, we can make things a little bit briefer. So October 6th, 
Yeah, there will be a, 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 until November 17 distribution of shoe boxes for missions as well. So that's right there as well. And then I already said to you about um, Friday and Saturday, New England Alliance inviting you with Lion of Judah. It's going to take place right here. We have parking on that day and um, either parking here in the parking lots or at the Hampton Inn as well for $5. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. At 9 a.m. Uh, it's right here. Let me see. It uh, ends probably at 2, but it, the whole thing. And then, by the way, we're going to have uh, time to go out into the street. It's not just going to be theory, but we're also inviting those who feel called. You don't need to have to do that part, but, you know, we're going to put into practice what will be taught here. Um, and don't let the 2 o'clock thing uh, intimidate you. If you can come until 1, that's fine, too. You know, come for whatever you can. Don't... Uh, don't let that uh, stop you from coming and receiving some of that anointing. Also, I look, look at the Join uh, Awaken the Dawn invitation. That's a time of prayer as well that will be taking place right nearby on that uh, beginning on Thursday, I believe it is. Thursday through Saturday. Huge amounts of stuff that you can dedicate to. Finally, I, I did want to start getting used to alerting you and pointing your attention to this, uh, the mobile app that we have, CLJ Mobile. Well, um, you can use this either to listen to the messages or to give your tithes and offerings. Sometimes, you know, we're out on vacation or it's so much easier if you can just tithe. We do it. We use it. Um, and so learn how to use it. Uh, we're going to be insisting more on that because uh, we want to remove any obstacles uh, to giving. And uh, you may ask, why, Pastor? Well, I'm sure you know why. But uh, we want to... We want to encourage you. Please give generously to your church. And there's that app, very secure, very easy to do. And once you put your information, then it, you, you can just do it in a very quick sort of way. So use that app and put it into your uh, iOS, uh, phone, iPhone, or your Android phone. And uh, that's going to be We're making it more and more secure and easier, easy for you to, to give your tithes and offerings. Why don't you stand with me? And... Um, I saw you uh, praying with uh, someone this this morning, Doug. And uh, do we? Is, they huh? they receive Christ. We want to celebrate. It's a couple of young men who came, and I'm, I don't want to put them on the spot, but you know they they received the Lord this morning. Brothers, take that very seriously. We rejoice. Let's let's bless them. This beautiful young man here. Praise the Lord. You know. When you give your life, when you give your life to Christ at an early age, you know, and that's part of it. We learn not to feel embarrassed about our identity as a believer. We're among family here, and I encourage you to become bold for Christ, to take seriously the calling of the gospel. You know, you're an encouragement to all of us. And when you receive Christ when you're young, uh, you are setting a foundation for a prosperous, blessed life. And we declare that on your life right now in Jesus' name. We declare that God protects you, covers you, fills you with wisdom, seals you with his spirit. You will be mighty men of valor, mighty men of God, capable of resisting temptation. And not only resisting temptation, but bringing others to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, your friends and companions as well. God will give you all that you require to be productive members of the kingdom of God, to prosper and, and to enjoy the fruits of being a follower 
of Christ. So we bless you in Jesus' name, and we confirm you as members of the kingdom of God this morning. And uh, we ask you to continue, you know, part of uh, receiving Christ, then you got to grow in the, in the knowledge of Christ. And know your Bible, pray, associate with other believers, and let the Lord then peel off the layers that he needs to until you get to that core where God can do extraordinary things in your life. So take this incredible opportunity very seriously, and you will never regret it. Actually, you will celebrate. So let's just bless our brothers. Concentrate on uh, three brothers right there. Concentrate on them and uh, send your blessing into their lives. We take away anything of the enemy, any false claims of Satan on your lives. We declare you free to serve the Lord. Not to be concerned about the past, because now, as you have confessed your sins before God, you are like a baby. God doesn't remember anything that you've done that is uh, inappropriate. And you are given a new identity, a new time uh, to walk in. And so, in Jesus' name, we declare that the past is gone and that the new has come in your lives. And that you will be bold servants of Jesus Christ. And if you, anybody here hasn't done that yet and you want to do it right now let's take a moment we still got three three minutes here um all right not to be a slave to time but in jesus name have you received christ yet anybody here that hasn't done it yet and if you haven't uh, embraced the call to be a child of god a servant a follower of jesus christ there has to be a moment when you got to do that So I invite you to do that right now. If you haven't done it yet and you want to raise your hand and you want us to pray for you just as we did for these young men, I'd invite you to raise your hand right now. Anybody else who hasn't done that? Would you raise your hand so I can see it high? And we want to pray for you. Amen. My brother, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else wants to receive Jesus and reaffirm or affirm their belief in Christ? You, You know that you need that. You know that you need that. And so you're saying, Lord, I need it. Yes, in Jesus' name, right there. Reconsecrate your life, David, to the Lord. Anybody else? Come on. Does anybody else want to accept Jesus right now in their life? Yes. Praise the Lord right there. Amen and amen. I bless you, my sister. It doesn't matter. You may have been born to the church, but if you haven't had that moment of consecration, you need to do it. Anybody else right now? Maybe some of those uh, people who came earlier uh, this morning uh, from to present their children and so on. Maybe you want to do that also. I don't know. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Let's, let's lift our hands uh, toward, in, toward that place in the back there, right there. And you know who you are. In Jesus' name, we declare blessing on your life. We break chains. We break strongholds in your life. In Jesus' name, we break any false claims of the enemy on your life Satan has no right on your life Satan has no influence on your destiny and Satan cannot exploit your past either your past is gone right now as you invite Jesus into your life you are a new creature God takes your record expunges it you know he just puts a seal and just takes it away it doesn't matter anymore you're 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 you go into a new childlike state where your sins of the past don't matter and Satan cannot judge you or accuse you or exploit your guilt anymore. So receive right now that sense of forgiveness. Forgiveness from every sin 
and a new identity as a child of God, follower of Jesus Christ, and now begin to walk as a member of the kingdom of God. And I declare that for every, every soul here in this place, this morning, Father, we reconsecrate our lives to you as well. And we ask you, give us souls. Give us souls, Lord. Say to the Lord, give us souls. Father, make us a radioactive congregation for your kingdom. And we claim souls for Jesus Christ. And we thank you for what has taken place this morning. In Jesus' name, go and serve the Lord.